Crosstalk, the unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels, a casual conversation. Hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk, episode 014, the monthly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, Anthony Rossi, and with me this week is Mike Edwards, a.k.a. Abstracticus. Mike, what's going on, man? Hanging out, man. Just hanging out. Nice. Excited to get in uh, some... some good Netflix stuff. Oh, man, what else are we talking about? All kinds of good stuff. Oh, yeah, we got some Netflix uh, stuff that's coming out, other game trailers that have, like, just dropped. So much has happened in this past month. It has. Like, so much has been happening. And uh, I'm willing to bet a lot of it has to do with E3 being, like, right around the corner. Only a few weeks. Uh, We are recording this on Saturday, uh, May 27th. And E3 is June, 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 June. 12th there it is first like official day i know like the conferences start over the weekend though so right so that's coming around always um do you watch many of the uh pressers the press conferences that come through e3 or do you wait for the um the news articles to pop out with the the highlights uh i usually like definitively watch the xbox conference as well as the Bethesda conference, because I'm a huge Fallout slash Elder Scrolls fan. So there you go. I, I, those are the two I absolutely have to watch. If I have time, I might you know pop on PlayStation, but I don't own a PlayStation, so there's really like no point. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. yeah. Well, well, like what I've noticed about the PlayStation, I mean, they have, and I talked about this last episode. They have some amazing first-party titles. Oh. Um, Give credit where credit is due. They have some amazing first-party titles that come out. But something that's annoyed me personally about the Sony and PlayStation presser is that they'll advertise a bunch of games as if they're PlayStation games. Or at least that's like the vibe that I get anyway. Maybe I'm just an angsty Xbox owner. But then come to find out later on that these particular games are being released on all consoles. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I guess it's just that, you know... Well, I mean, we'll probably get into this later, but it's just like Destiny having the PlayStation exclusive stuff. It's more so like, right. all right, well, PlayStation, you're going to get the credit for getting this game out to everybody, but we're actually releasing it on everybody. You know? Right. And that's kind of like the way I felt when Final Fantasy 15 was announced. It seemed like it was going to be a PlayStation game. And I'm like, oh man, I really want to. I haven't played a good Final Fantasy in years because 13 just completely disappointed me epically. And I'm like, man, am I really going to have to switch platforms just so I can play Final Fantasy? And then I looked into some stuff later and I'm like, oh, it's, it's coming off for Xbox as well. Well, meh, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, personally, I was, uh, I was never really much into Final Fantasy. Mm hmm. You know, like about as far as my Final Fantasy history, fa- wow, Final Try Fantasy <laughs> history goes, I-, I know the characters that are in the Kingdom Hearts games, and that's like pretty much as far as I know. And most of them, I couldn't even pronounce their names. So, no, oh, of course not. <laughs> um, speaking of King- Kingdom Hearts, I mean, is that going to come out like ever? I know there's right? supposed to be a Kingdom Hearts three coming out. Like, I don't know, 
the past four years or something like that. I know, man. It's ridiculous. There's actually, like, see, it's the Kingdom Hearts thing is just, like, nuts to me. There's seven actual base games within the series. <laughs> but then, like, four or five of them have gotten HD remix versions. I, I think Kingdom Hearts 2 has gotten, like, four different remixes. Yo, seriously, though. Like, I keep hearing about 2.8 or 2.5. Yeah. And for love of God, stop remaking the same one and actually, <laughs> yeah. like, push the series forward. My understanding is that they have added, like, a, a few characters. Okay. Uh, and maybe, like, a few extra side missions here or there. But, like, nothing really, like... It, just to, I guess, make the game a little bit better without mm-hmm. actually having to add a whole new storyline. It's a way to make more money. Is what it comes right. down to. Okay. But still... Anyway, well, speaking of that, um, how far back does your gaming history go? The 90s. Oh, yeah? The 90s. What was your, yeah. what was your first system? My very first system was your uh, Super Nintendo. Okay. What you start uh, gaming on uh, when you got that going? Oh, man, Mario. The nostalgia Mario. of Mario. Oh, it's so fantastic. It is. Did you ever go back to play the, like, the original Marios? Or, like, I know they released a... They did, like, a compilation of, like, Mario 1, 2, 3, like, the lost levels. And, like, all of them were available on the same cartridge for the Super Nintendo. Did you ever play any of, like, the original, original Mario Brothers? Uh, see, it's funny that you say that. Because I actually mm-hmm. have a mini original NES sitting right beside me on my desk right now. One of those ones uh, hey. that released not too long ago. Right. I, I have one of those. And I, since then, I have gone back and played, I think, it, I think the first three... The original three for the SNES are up there. I know the first two are. The third one might be. It might not be. Okay. But definitely some nostalgia as far as uh, Mario and, of course, the the original Zelda. Uh, uh, yes. What else? The Kirby. brutality of the original Nintendo games. Yeah, I mean, oh, man. The nostalgia is there. It is, it's yeah. there. Bring yeah, like, it was, I remember it was a big deal that you could get, like, the Fire Flower or the... Oh, in Nintendo, in uh, uh, Nintendo, in Mario Three, you could get the raccoon tail and you could fly. It was like the biggest power up you could ever get. But if you go back to like the original Mario, basically you had a mushroom, which would you, know, you were allowed to take a hit, but at the same time you're double in size, so it's easier for you to get hit. But then yeah. once you got the uh, either a star, you like you just were completely invincible and just sprint <laughs> towards the end. <laughs> But yeah, now in the Mario games, you have all sorts of different power-ups. And um, although I did not buy a Switch, I've had some friends at the office who have been playing the new Zelda Breath of the Wild. And apparently you get all sorts of power-ups and different outfits to wear. Have you been looking into that at all? Oh man, I wish I had some money to get a Switch. That would be great. (laughs) That would be great. I've seen a lot of gameplay for Breath of the Wild. It looks pretty cool. Uh, It looks gorgeous for for as simple... And I mean this respectfully. For as simple as the art style is, it is beautiful. Agreed. Agreed. You know? What I thought was really interesting about it was that they actually made the prototype within the same engine of the very first original Zelda game. Really? Yeah. They uh, they did a presser. I want to say it was probably the... the uh, they, they did something recently. I can't remember what it was. It was something like Nintendo only. It was like a, a couple months back now. And they showed... Uh, this gameplay that was for sure Zelda, and everybody was flipping out there like, "Oh my God, we're gonna get a Zelda Zelda Maker!" Like, you know, remember Mario got him up, Mario. Maker. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
everybody was flipping out, and then come to find out, they had made the prototype within that same engine to you know get like the feel for the the openness of the world, being able to you know what I mean. Nintendo is so weird. They are so weird, and I love them for it. (laughs) Like go, just do the weird stuff because that's how like to this day they make the most original games like. Different companies will reskin. I don't. Well, I don't want to say reskin because again, that makes it sound cheap. But like, they'll create a shooter, or they'll create an RPG in whatever style. Like they, st- the AAA games will stay within established genres and methods. And like, this is how you do it. It's very by the book. The art styles may change. The writing and the storylines will change a little bit. But as far as mechanics are concerned, they stay very much the same and familiar but then you have nintendo where they're going to make a new game but they do the prototype in like the oldest game engine that probably still exists somewhere in digital form somewhere 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 somehow (laughs) they well obviously they i would hope they still have records of their uh or archived records of their you know old titles and whatnot but so good on them good on them for being weird and different all right, so Mike, you were quite the fan of a very particular game that I believe has not come out yet, and that was Sea of Thieves. Oh man, you, you make it sound like it was past tense. <laughs> well, sorry, I because in the back of my mind and in my show notes here, we're going to discuss. Um, you, you had a podcast going on, but um, specifically for Sea of Thieves. So, what was that podcast called? Uh. I did, and that podcast was called Pirate Port Radio. And you had quite the adventures with this podcast, if I remember correctly. I did. See, see, in order for me to tell this story, it has to start from the beginning, and I'll, I'll try to make this as little time as possible. Hey, man, if you need to expand on something, go right ahead. This podcast is all about flying off on tangents and all about the storytelling, so whatever juicy details you want to throw in there, game on, my brother. All right, all right. So... Like I said, in order to accurately tell this story, it needs to start from the beginning. Do it. E3 2015. I'm sitting down and I'm watching the Xbox conference, as I do every year since I discovered E3 existed. <laughs> yeah, like I remember the 90s watching E3 on like television when they used to televise it. They don't do that anymore because it's all like it's like all on the internet. <clears throat> yeah, there's. It... And that's like a whole other situation. Like, I could probably do an entire podcast on like how video streaming has affected. Oh God! Yeah. Like the entertainment industry. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, it's fantastic that you can watch it on the internet and let the cable companies do whatever it is that they got to do because the people who are truly interested and like the de- dedicated following, they're going to find some way to watch it online. Absolutely, they will. So, They'll find a way. Yeah. All right. So go on, my man. So. I'm sitting down watching the Xbox conference E3 2015, and uh, I see this uh, this man walk on stage. You know, I mean, I've always been a huge Rare Limited fan. Grew up on Rare's games. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, played the original Jet Fuel or Jetpack. Uh, played Saber Wolf. All of those games from you know, nice. the Super NES back in the day. And then, of course, you right. know, they eventually moved on to N64. And over Rare's like 30 year history, they have made like. Some of my favorite games ever. Yes. They have been around for a long they time. They really have. Uh, so their their uh, studio head, Craig Duncan, walks on stage and 
of course, announces the Rare Replay compilation for thir- Rare's 30-year history. Mm-hmm. And then, shortly after this, this other video pops up. I'm like, hmm, what's this? What we got over here? And, uh... I don't know if you're aware, but Rare has been putting pirates in their games for years. years. You know, I have not noticed that. Yes, they're like, with a few exceptions, there is a pirate in like every game they've ever made. <laughs> nice. Uh, Killer Instinct has Spinal. Um, right. Banjo Kazooie has Captain Blubber. Uh, there's just there. I mean, that's only two. There's so many games that have pirates in them. Right, okay. Um, and so this trailer comes on, and it's this guy, you know, looking up in the sky. I'm like, well, what the hell is this? And then I hear a shit bell, and I'm like, oh, shit, what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, this is the video game I've been waiting for my entire life. This is the video game I've been waiting for. Growing up, it was either video games or pirates for me. So, I got oh, so, both. So <laughs> pirates, that's your jam. That That's, what, jam. that's your thing. All right. Nice. Um, so, I'm like, o- over the past, like, year or so, we know Destiny had come out the year before, and I was really into, like, podcasting and listening to Destiny podcasts, and I'd always mm-hmm. wanted to start my own. I found my medium. There we are. I did. I found it. So, I spent, like, the next couple months, you know, just kind of getting ideas together. I had no idea if this game was going to come out next year, you know, this year, 2018. I didn't care, because mm-hmm. I was excited for this game. Uh, so September, September 19th, which is ironically, actually I planned it that way. It's not ironic at all. Uh, <laughs> There's nothing ironic about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> September 19th is actually talk like a pirate day. Uh, yeah, well, made, there it is. made by two guys. And, uh, <laughs> from there it kind of evolved and, uh, we did it once a month, uh, ended up found, oh man, this, this one, this one to this day still blows my mind. I ended up finding this 16 year old kid that was just as excited as I was. <laughs> uh, you know, at first it started off as, you know, he's just a, you know, I'm 20, 20, 26 years old at the time. I was 25, 24. Mm-hmm. And I bonded with this 16 year old kid. I'm just like, what the hell is life, you know? <laughs> and this guy is like one of my best friends now. Nice. Like, I talk to him on a regular basis, even though he's like a thousand miles away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we spent the next like year and a half, two years or so, recording a podcast every month. Had a few uh, guests here and there, you know, some buddies that have been as part of, part of the Rare community for a while and are excited about Sea of Thieves as well. Nice. And uh, it evolved from there. And then uh, March March 2016, into March 2016, I receive an email. And that email reads, Hey, Mike, we want you to come to Rare. And I'm like, well, okay. Well, all Let's right. Do <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and uh, oh. so into May rolls around, and I find myself on a plane to England. <sighs> How... Oh, I'm like, now I record this on Zencaster, so we can't actually see each other right now, uh, as opposed to using Skype. My hand, my head, my face is in my hands right now, and I'm trying to grasp what it must feel like to re- to be a fan of a franchise, or just a fan in general, just you know, doing fan community content creation, and being contacted by the studio or the creators of what it is that you are such a fan of. 
I agree. Like, uh, you know, I've mentioned how, the word. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm like, is it is it confirmation? Is it fulfillment? Like, what word would you describe? Validation? What word would you use to describe, like, the feeling? Literally, like, all the words you just said. <laughs> uh, it, it really is. It's a good feeling. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't start the podcast for, you know, the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. It was more so want, wanting to just have a medium to be able to talk about it out loud. You know, like, I, I talked to my wife about video games with my wife. She's like... She's like she hates video games. Let, let's just <laughs> let, let's call it for what it is. My wife hates video games. That's yeah. Like, my I, wife I tolerates my to, video game I, hobbies. Yeah, I might be able to get her to play maybe a game or two with me every now and then, but she's just she's just not into them. Right. So it was you know it was good to have a medium to be able to talk about them, to mm-hmm. or to talk about it, Sea of Thieves, and it didn't it didn't start that way. And then it, you know, it just kind of got to a point where, oh man, look at all these rare employees. They're like, they're actually listening. And I was just like, mind blown. I'm like, whoa. And then to get that email of them asking me to come to their studio is just, like I said, all those words you you All those words. And good on them for reaching out to the community also. You know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Uh, like, there was... them, like they're listening to you. The, like the excitement is obviously there, and you have people who are excited. And they're, I mean, from a business standpoint, they're getting free publicity and advertising right. <laughs> out of it all. Right. But um, that aside, just to to actively, what's the word? Engage with your fan base in the community. I mean, good on them I for agree. recognizing that. Uh, it, man. And see, you thought I was mind blown when I got this email. Mm-hmm. Well, E3 rolled around last year, and of course, I, I at that point I knew Sea of Thieves was gonna be at E3. Like I knew, like all the people that were you know at Rare with me, right? Like the fan wise, we knew, but you know we we weren't we weren't we're not allowed to say anything. Well, of course not. So, because um, at the time it wasn't official that Rare was gonna be there. I mean, I guess okay. people they you know they released see if the you know they released the announcement trailer for it a year ago. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know they're going to be like, all right, well now we're you know that that's just that's common for you know developers. They they make an announcement trailer one year, then the next year they're like, all right, now we put a little more work into it. Here's here's what we've been doing. Yeah, yeah, it's like a heads up. Here's a little something that we're working on. This is all we can show you at the at this moment in time, but uh, just, just a little teaser. It's not even a trailer. It's a teaser. Exactly. And then the following year, hopefully and they then... have something more that they can show. Cause we've all had those games <clears throat> division that they just keep showing a trailer year after year. Um, yeah, didn't they show a division trailer like four years in a row or something? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like towards the end. I'm like, I don't care anymore. Ubisoft. I, I love your games, but for the love of God, yes. Okay, there's Please another division. Right. We know it's coming. We know. Oh man. So then, you know, like I said, I'm sitting there. I'm watching that E3 2016. Right. And obviously, conference. you signed an NDA when you went over to visit the studios. Oh, of course. Yeah, I had to sign an NDA before I ever even was like, "Yeah, I'm coming." You know, yeah. before they would even, <laughs> okay. you know, yeah, before you even got on the plane like, or anything. Yeah, before you even got on the plane, they emailed an NDA to you. Like, all right, just so you know, just get this out of the way real quick. You are going to talk about nothing about what you see here. Right. right. Uh, and before before I go too far about what happened at E3 last year, I do mm-hmm. want to say that UK Border Patrol 
do not mess around. Really? I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not going to elaborate. A anybody okay. who's ever been to England is going to know what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, they are some scary people, and this is coming from a grown man. Right. Uh, so, anyway, E3 2016 Xbox conference, and see if thieves pops up and they show like this cool little cinematic trailer. It's just a camera panning through some still images within the world or whatever. And then up pops another trailer and it's real gameplay, real players. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> oh God. And then I see my, my bald head, bushy beard <laughs> up here in the top left corner of the screen acting like an idiot. <laughs> oh, Okay, so I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to see if I can find footage of that, and that's totally going to go in the show notes for this podcast. Oh, please do. Yeah, you can get on YouTube. Uh, you can get on YouTube. If you go to see, they have like an official Sea of Thieves YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, you can find the E3 2016 gameplay trailer in their lists. All right. E3, I'm like scribbling notes down right now. Find E3 gameplay trailer. Okay, I'm totally going to have to find that, and I'm, I'll be looking for you. Awesome. So you got to see yourself uh, on screen at E3. I did. It's like, honey, honey, look, that's me. That's me playing a video game. That's wonderful, Mike. That's wonderful. It is. It is. <laughs> and the really cool part about all that was that some of the guys that were in the trailer with me mm -hmm. were actually sitting there in the audience at the conference. Oh, cool. And, of course, you know, when when the conference is going on, you know, the lights are all dim and all the focus is on the stage. Well, mm -hmm. when the, they, they were telling us, like the rest of us that weren't there, when, this, when the lights came back on after the conference and everybody started walking out, people started noticing, oh shit, those are the guys that are in the trailer. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it's really cool. And then, nice. uh, you know, after, after E3 2016, we, you know, we kept going. Uh, and then... Our last episode was in, was it February of this year? It was either January or February. I just, you know, I got to a point where I, I just had to shut it down. I mean, my, my excitement is still completely there. I still talk to, you know, the developers. So, you know, I've got them on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm not talking about Sea of Thieves at all anymore. I mean, I'm sitting here right mm -hmm. now talking to you about it. Right. Uh, the nostalgia, the the excitement, the any word that is a synonym of the word excitement is there. Right. No. All of those of words, of they're course all it there. Is. Uh, I just felt it was it was time to move on. You know, like um, that that was that was a real foot in the door for me as far as you know the games industry goes. Mm -hmm. um, oh, it must be a heck of an experience. Oh yes, beyond. Uh, right. You know, since then, I've I'm still doing podcasting. Oh, where are you at? Uh, I'm actually hosting and producing uh, a podcast for a video games journalism site called MonsterVine.com. Okay. Bunch of guys. Again, I'm, scri I'm scribbling notes so I can throw all this into the show notes. Right. MonsterVine.com? MonsterVine.com. Okay, cool. Uh, I've been doing that for, we're coming up on our sixth, sixth episode. Okay. Uh, we're actually going to be recording tonight. Uh, oh, so you got and that episode is just going to be nothing but E3 predictions. Oh, yes. Be interesting. There's 
I think four or five of us that are going to be on tonight, we're just all going to go on a huge tangent about video games that right. we're hoping to get out of E3. Oh, yeah. Everyone's in full E3 swing at this point. Um, and then it's just going to be the whole info explosion uh, during that week. And everyone's going to try their best to keep their head above water to try to keep up with everything that's going on. Truth. Truth. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. So we're going to move into some uh, some tech news. Get this party started. Uh, first article I want to discuss was from TechCrunch and Nielsen. Study of 92% of uh, U.S. adults are watching videos on the TV. Now, this may sound like, you know, not exactly huge news, but it kind of flies in the face of what the general, like, perception is, I would say. That uh, fewer and fewer people are watching television. Uh, you know, cord cutting is uh, is a thing. Personally, at and in our house, we are cord cutters. Um, we do not pay for cable television anymore. We just have internet because, you know, I just personally like I just don't watch TV at this point anymore. And uh, through Netflix and other streaming services, I can still catch up on any shows that I may find interesting, but. Uh, Oh, what are your thoughts? Are you are are you a big TV watcher or um or what's up? I'm with you on that one. Cutting cable. Uh I've got Netflix and Hulu and that's enough for me. Yeah. Uh but uh, honestly, 92%, that sounds like really high to me. I'm like really surprised at that number. Yeah, and uh it, it kind of dips into a little bit in the article and uh I talked about this with some other friends. We're wondering if the the information is skewed because this is all self-reporting the way this study was done. So we're wondering if people who watch Netflix or Hulu either through their game console or Roku or something like that, or their smart TVs, they think, well, I'm watching TV on my TV. So yes, I'm watching on my TV and not really grasping the concept of what a streaming device or connected device truly means. So there's a big chart in this article, and straight TV is 82.1% of the gross minutes are watched on TV. And then you have TV-connected devices, you have 10.3%. So we're wondering, uh, should some of the percentage that is TV, should some of that go down into the TV-connected devices? Right. I agree. It should, because you're watching it on a TV. You're still watching it on a TV. It's not the TV itself. It's not cable. It's not a Netflix app with on the TV. But, you know, my Xbox One can still pull up Netflix. It can still pull up Hulu. It's still the same. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're kind of wondering if there's a little bit of skewing going on there. But uh, this article brings up a few other interesting things. Uh, Like as far as watching video between smartphone and tablets... I thought this was kind of interesting, and it's worth talking about a little bit. There's actually uh, 1.8% of video viewing happens on a smartphone, while 0.7% happens on a tablet. I would almost say that common sense, maybe, would have told me that more video would have been done on the tablet. However, I'm guessing the accessibility 
of the smartphones, like there's a smartphone in everyone's pocket type of thing. Yeah. Is the reason why it wins out rather than having to either lug your tablet around or, you know, go find the tablet wherever it happens to be as opposed to just reaching in your pocket and grabbing the smartphone? Any thoughts? The numbers. The numbers is what kills me. There's a six, what, 6.5 million minute gap between smartphone and tablet. Yeah, that's You wouldn't huge. think it would be that that large. Like, I mean, when you think about it in that in those terms, six million's not a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, Grant can TV up here is at five hundred nine billion minutes. Right. So that you know that six million is not really a lot compared to the whole chart. But between just the two, you would think everybody you know, like you said, accessibility that kind of thing. But at the same time, I would want to watch Netflix on as big a screen as possible on the go. But that's right. just me. But I'm also wondering, like, maybe, like, because I'll do this all the time, if we're discussing something, you know, out in public somewhere, and like, oh, did you see this video or something like that? I can just reach in my pocket, grab my smartphone, go to YouTube, find the video, and just, like, hold it up for people to watch. And granted, that's only, like, you know, a handful of minutes at a time, but that's a handful of minutes versus zero minutes that I would be grabbing the tablet for. You know what I mean? And if you're going to sit down and watch... Like an extended video, am I going to watch on my tablet or am I going to be watching it on a TV monitor or something like that? So it's just interesting the way the it, it's skewed or the numbers yeah. work. It is interesting the way those numbers played mm-hmm. out. And uh, one other quick little bit I'd like to mention about this before moving on to the next article is uh, if you scroll uh, down to the bottom of the article, it's a uh, weekly hours and minutes of usage in the population and it's broken apart by age ranges uh i got you okay all the way down the bottom and what i find funny is what population spends the most amount of time staring at an electronic screen 50 plus 50 plus and what age range spends the least amount of time staring at an electronic screen 34 and younger isn't that interesting? That is a crazy number. You would think it would be the opposite, wouldn't you? Yep. The the people who spend the least amount of time is the youngest age group that they show. That's crazy. That's really funny. That is. It is. That is really funny to me. The the whole uh, as far as the eighteen to thirty four the radio thing that doesn't surprise me. Oh no. That doesn't surprise me. Just just particularly the radio part, because it's mm-hmm. the smallest of all the radio ratios. Oh, easily. That and, does uh, and, not surprise me at all. Yeah, and TV as well. Uh, the younger age, the younger the age range is the least or the less amount of time they spend watching TV. Because I mean, you and I are in this you know same generation where it's like you know, we don't watch TV. You know, personally, and I've said this many times on this episode. Um, why would I like the programming and the writing on TV? Like, gaming has better storylines than eighty-five percent of the TV shows on right now. Like, I get more entertainment and engagement through any of the games that I play, as opposed to the passive consumption of entertainment that I get from TV. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, video games are—they're just—they're yeah. better. Video games yeah. are better because. As a you know, as a developer, you can pretty much you can do whatever whatever you want to in a video game. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, they they have so many video games out that have like historical accuracies within them, mm-hmm. but then they can't exactly you know use real names without offending people, that kind of thing. 
but at the same time they're they're still they still have they have more creative freedom in the gaming industry than they do on television oh sure oh sure so that just just wanted to get that quick little jab out real quick <laughs> just yeah it just amazed me like that that truly surprised me that the uh the 18 to 34 spends the least amount of time staring at an electronic screen than do the 50 plus oh funny all right moving on to the next article uh scroll special forces are getting a stealth motorcycle uh so this is kind of interesting i mean it's still it still has like the all black matte appearance of everything that you would expect a stealth vehicle to have but i mean it's a motorcycle this thing isn't exactly trying to deflect radar scans but um it's being made well actually it's not being made by darpa it's it's being it's being managed by darpa i guess i'll say but it's one of those you know innovative tech initiatives where they contract out the research and development work to different companies so what do we have logos technology technologies excuse me has developed this bike and uh what are your thoughts on it this is cool yes this is cool. it is <laughs> this is really cool. this, wow. is really cool. <laughs> this thing um i mean they talk about it in the article where if you're trying the main purpose for this isn't necessarily, like I said, radar deflection. It's trying to be as silent as possible so that they can use this like rapid mobility to get into conflict areas in and out as quickly and quietly as possible. So, obviously, the, the least noisy or the quietest engines that we can use are the electronics. However, they don't exactly have the greatest range. So what Logos has done is developed a hybrid engine for a dirt bike. And not only can this engine also run on gasoline, it can run on diesel, as well as, because why the hell not, JP-5 and JP-8 jet fuels. I mean... military. Did you expect anything (laughs) different? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, not really. (laughs) And I suppose you can... It can be one of those things where, like, I mean, as awesome as having a dirt bike that runs on jet fuel is, just from, like, the the sheer badassness of it all. It probably has to do with we want this thing to be able to run on whatever fuel source that we may have on hand. Right, exactly, and that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Perfect sense. All right, we got gasoline. All right, throw that in there. We have some diesel lying around. Cool, we can throw that. And uh, some of the things that I know I've mentioned on here before... Some concept and prototype technologies, uh, sometimes they just, they're done to push the limits of what our current technology can handle. And I think the decibel levels are uh, are kind of indicative of that. Like this, We need to push as absolutely quiet as we can possibly get. So um, did you see how quiet this thing, well, like the decibel level, did you read that part? Oh, it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like what? What? Fifty-five decibels, less right. than fifty-five, for that matter. Right. I can't imagine. I have a bunch of biker friends, and basically, they're you know you, you see them, you know, heralding, and I totally agree with them. Uh, loud pipes save lives, but that's on the highway, and that's in city streets because people are idiots and they don't use their side or rear view mirrors. Or they just completely ignore the blind spots that everyone knows mirrors have on cars. And that's at, like, 
don't even know what decimal level uh, regular motorcycle engines put out, but 55 decibels. That's the lowest it'll go. That is the and lowest they will go. That's, go ahead. All, that's only electric. That's all electric is less than 55. Now, if it's running on fuel with you know the generator activated, it's at about 75, which is still pretty – that's pretty – it's a pretty for good a dirt for a bike, is, yeah. For a dirt bike, it is very quiet. And, and to put that in perspective, that's the sound of a garbage disposal. Right. What it says here in the article. That's mm-hmm. intense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they asked the question, of course, you know, like, how far can we push this? And this is the reason why they can't go much lower than 55. Basically, the engine is running as quietly as we can possibly get it. The loudest thing now is the chain. Like, and how do you quiet down a mechanical part like an external chain? Like, you just yeah. can't do it yet. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, they say that they can, uh, they can use a belt for it, but if you're using this outside in, like, a dirt bike environment, God forbid you get rock or, like, large grit sand up in there, uh, it's going to tear the, the belt apart, which oh, yeah. we don't want to do that. So the all. chain is what they're using for now. But yeah, I mean, it is it is amazing uh, what we're able to accomplish if we have, like, dedicated designers and, like, the best of what the U.S. has to offer. Oh, something else that makes it uh, amazing is, like, talking about the weight of some of these electric bikes and saying Alta Motors electric motorcycle weighs 270 pounds. Now, I have no idea what typical motorcycles weigh. I'll just admit my ignorance right there. But 270 seems really light. It is. It is. And, <laughs> you know, that's that's just Alta's motorcycle. This, this, this one, still, that number is still really low. Oh, yeah. So that means you can, like, throw, and they mention it in the article, that you, having it super light and compact like a like a dirt bike is you can stack a whole bunch of these onto a single transport vehicle get like relatively close to whatever site you need to go to and then deploy the individual dirt bikes and go from there so it'll be interesting to see like what applications or what mission or style of missions that they use to uh to implement these silent hawks once they become uh a standard part of the military so Wow. Interesting stuff. What? Uh, What's up? Before we move on, I did want to mention something about this. The fact that this thing can go up to eighty miles per hour blows my mind. Yo, seriously! This little teeny tiny thing. It runs on like every single type of fuel known to man. Uh huh. It's super quiet. You would think something that's going 80 miles per hour is going to have that like, that that loud, intense, you know, wah yeah, noise some, that motorcycles make, but it, it doesn't. That's yeah, crazy. some type of throttle is opening up once you get into the 80 mile an hour range. Something's opening up and is making noise. But, I mean, <laughs> we joked about this at the office, and my friend said, well, have you ever heard uh, a Tesla car speed up and go past you? And I said, actually... No, I haven't. <laughs> and we joked and we said, exactly. But um, I mean, that's got to be like part of the electric um, motor aspect of it all. But even still, something this small running on a, like, an electric motor that can go 80 miles an hour and still maintain something that has the same 
decibel level as like the volume that we're talking to each other at. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how much it's farther intense. can we go? Much farther. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, last tech article. We've got, uh, and this is from engineering.com. Can the HY4 deliver zero emissions air transport? And this kind of piggybacks on what I just said about the Nighthawk uh, motorcycle in that uh, sometimes companies and, you know, laboratories will just make something as extreme as they possibly can just to see how far we can push it. Right now, this HY4 is an aircraft that is completely zero emissions. It's not exactly a big aircraft. It's looking like a two-seater based on this video that's embedded. But... Yeah, it's a two-seater. Yeah, it's tiny. But this is one of those things, where, again, where it's just, you know, this is how far we can go. Um, but what are your, like, thoughts on this? Just a step towards a zero-emission aircraft. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an environmentalist or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I believe in global warming and, you know, the gas or green greenhouse effect. I think they're the same thing, aren't they? Just different terms. Uh, they're close. Um, greenhouse effect is something particular. Um, and, and global warming. It is more accurately described as global climate change just because there are sections or areas on the Earth that are cooling down while others are warming up. But the, the total... Uh, net change uh, has been increasing for the past several decades. Right, right. Uh, I mean, you know, zero emissions, anything. It's a good Mm. thing. It's fantastic. If it's better for the environment, it's better for everybody. It really is. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. (laughs) It's, It's like, this is one of those things where this isn't even close to practical. Oh, excuse me. It is a four passenger uh, aircraft with a maximum range of 1,500 kilometers. So it's got a pretty good range uh, using hydrogen fuel cells, but I mean, it's only four passengers. So we're not, this, this, we're not talking commercial flight at this point in the least. And 1,500, 1,500 kilometers. That's a pretty small number. Yeah. Let's uh, in miles, uh, I assume that's what you're about to do, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to be. Uh, well, it's I actually know... less. It's less than a thousand. It's yes, nine hundred and thirty-two yes, miles. Okay. I was about to say because I know back back in the day, you know, twenty years and fifty pounds ago, I was a distance track runner in high school, uh, um, <laughs> and I know that the mile uh, in in track would be the sixteen hundred meters. So. I could do a little bit of uh, mental calculation there, but yeah, so it's less than a thousand miles, so it's not it's not a huge range. But again, we're going back to it's only four passenger, but uh, these are the type of things where we've done it. Like on the small scale, we've done it, and now we need to start figuring out ways. And by we, I mean they need to start figuring out ways of uh, scaling it <laughs> upwards. Humanity. That's yes, all humanity. humanity. People who know much more than I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can do it. 
Okay, before moving on, we have an Audible interlude. For you, the listeners of Video Game Crosstalk Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles such as Norse Mythology, written and narrated by Neil Gaiman. So Neil Gaiman, uh, you probably know him from quite a few books uh, that he's written over the years. And one of one of the series has been recently turned into a Stars series called American Gods. So if you've seen any trailers or watched any of those episodes, you know what I'm talking about. And this is same so same author, and he reimagines and retells in his own style the mythology of the Nordic gods, such as Odin and Thor. So that's got to be a trip. So if you want to go check out that book, once again, it is audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod and download your free audiobook. Alright, moving on to some gaming and geekery. Speaking of TV series, since we last had an episode, we have had a ton of trailers come out. Quite a few for some Netflix original series as well. Bunch of new trailers, and uh, have you been watching any of the Marvel uh, Netflix series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, you know, of course, Daredevil was the first one to come out. Uh, yep. But I, I, like, I've never been a Daredevil fan. Like, I, I think Ben Affleck being Daredevil in that movie what, was the early 2000s, I think. Uh, I'd rather not remember that that movie existed. <laughs> My point exactly. My point exactly. They like Daredevil. Growing up, you know, I've always been a big Marvel fan. Okay. Uh, comic books in general, superheroes. You know what? You know what? Twenty-six year old man didn't grow up on that stuff. You know, right. like in all honesty, what man period didn't grow up on that stuff? <laughs> you knew what a comic book was. If you're a man. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, not, not to exclude, you know, not to exclude women. There's plenty of women that are, you know, huge into comic books, too. But, you know, at first, you know, everything is geared towards a specific gender these days. And I mean, it's, oh, of course as, it is. as crappy as that may be, it's true. Oh, it's absolutely um, true. Um, you know, accept it, recognize what it is, and then, you know, figure out what we need to do to move forward and, you know, process on. But anyway, go ahead. Right. Uh, so I was a big Daredevil fan uh, growing up, you know, as well as ev- pretty much every other superhero that was really badass. Mm-hmm. But they they did they they butchered the Ben Affleck movie. Oh, they it, did. It was crap. Like they they were on point with some of the stuff, uh, you know. But I get it. You know, you got to change stuff. You know, stuff changes every time, and stuff just happens. But I'll be honest here, I, I never could get into the the Netflix series either. Well, that's just, too bad. Didn't do anything for me. Uh, Jessica Jones didn't do anything for me. Hmm. Uh, uh, though Jessica Jones might have a lot to do with the actress they picked because I, I don't like her acting. Uh, That's just me, though. All right. Are you a uh, Doctor Who fan at all? I, I dabbled in some Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Right. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I was already kind of predisposed to being a fan of the Jessica Jones since they had David Tennant as, uh, what's it called? Kilgrave. Yeah. Yeah. He, such a better doctor than Matt Smith. I don't care what anyone else says, but that's that's neither here nor there. But but so so the uh, 
and the reason why I bring up obviously the uh, the Marvel series is that the new Defenders trailer has been released. You know, I would if you can stomach it, if you if you can give it another shot. Uh, Luke Cage, I thought it was very well done. That's um, what I need to get into. I haven't started watching that one yet. Yeah, give Luke uh, I've Cage a try. I've been doing a lot of Iron Fist. Okay. Yeah, I'm watching Iron Fist right now. I'm on episode like five or six or something like that. Yeah, I think I'm right about the same. Okay. It's it's not as bad as people, as the internet reacted. If you know Dude, what I mean. everybody on the internet overreacts about everything. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, we're obviously going to talk about Destiny 2 in a little bit, but... Um, like, I have some friends and my brother asking me, like, oh, have you been hearing what people have been saying about the trailer? I'm like, no. I don't read the comment section <laughs> on any online article anymore. That, that is so counterproductive. Of course people are complaining about it. They'll complain about every frame that is in the trailer. They're stupid. <laughs> but, um... So anyway, getting back to the, the new trailers that have been released. Uh, Defenders is coming out. If you're a fan of the Marvel series that are on Netflix, Iron Fist is worth watching just so you have the full story. Um, but this is finally where everyone comes together. So it looks pretty cool. Uh, another trailer that was dropped relatively recently was... Uh, Net. Um, yes, I believe it is a Netflix one. Uh, Castlevania. And I talked about yep. this on the last episode... That looks promising. Did you catch this trailer? Oh, yes. There it is. That's a definitive yes. yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Huge Castlevania fan. Oh, nice. um, Oh, my God. That's that's the epitome of my life. Video games, pirates, vampires. Vampires. If if it's got any of those things in it, I'm gonna play it. So yeah, nice. uh, the, that's another one of those games. You know, uh, I believe the original Castlevania is actually on the mini NES or uh, mini nice. SNES. Uh, yeah, the last unfortunately <clears throat> through the '90s, I kind of drifted away from Nintendo. Uh, dabbled in PlayStation for a little bit. Uh, ultimately landed on Xbox. And I really haven't I haven't owned a Nintendo console since the Super Nintendo. So the last Castlevania I played was Super Castlevania, which was yeah. fantastic. You know, I mean, oh, there's a reason why they call the retro genre the uh, Metroidvania genre of the platformers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah there, there's a reason for that. Um, I just, I'm, I'm really, really hoping with this Netflix TV series, they, they do it justice. Like I, I really hope they do. As a huge Castlevania fan, I'm gonna be pretty upset if they mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Netflix has just been killing it with their programming. Oh yeah, Stranger Things, uh, the oh, you know the the Marvel good. shows. Mm-hmm. They they have they they've been just uh, Narcos. Uh, God, I haven't gotten man. into they're, that they're one yet. Narcos looks interesting. Is a story of Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I believe. I mean, I get. I don't think they use the name, but but it's yeah, basically it's, it's based on that idea, right? Yeah, they've been killing it with like every series uh, that they've been doing. I also recently finished uh, the OA. Super weird, but still really good at the same time. Oh yeah. Uh, I personally haven't watched that one though. I, I've got a bunch of buddies that are you know they they all know Mule. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
talk to those guys a lot. A lot of them are, are into OA. All right. Or the OA. The OA, yes. The OA. So super weird, but looks really cool. Um, I recently saw a trailer for Blade Runner 2049. That looks intense. Like the whole dystopian cyberpunk thing going on. Blade Runner is one of my all-time favorite movies. So are you nervous for this? I am, but I, I'm confident that Ryan Gosling is going to be able to pull it off. Like, I, I mean, at this point, we, we, we kind of know that, you know, from the the one, like, trailer, the, the big trailer that we've seen, you know, mm-hmm. they've released, like, three or four over the past, like, month or two. Mm. But there's, like, the one big one that's like, all right, this is the movie. You know what I mean? You know how they do that these days. Right, right. They give you, like, three teaser trailers, and they finally give you a real trailer. Mm-hmm. It's cool that they got Harrison Ford to come back, and from what it looks like, it looks like the the agency, uh, for the life of me, cannot remember. See, I, I, I say I'm a Blade Runner fan, but I can't remember <laughs> the, the, the daddies. Uh, and of course, you, you, your mind goes blank as soon as you make a claim like that. Of course it does. Exactly. Of course. Uh, but, you know, we, we obviously know that Ryan Gosling is working for that company now, and eventually he meets up with Harrison Ford's character. And he's like, well, I used to work for them, too. And it's like, oh, shit, what, what are they going to do? Oh, dear. Because you know, you, know you know Ryan Gosling is going to go rogue. Oh, yeah. In some way, shape, or form, he's going to go rogue, and him and Harrison Ford are going to take the agency down together. Yeah, and I'm not a huge Ryan Gosling fan, but I think this casting, the way it's being portrayed, is like a solid fit. Yeah, it should. Ryan Gosling's a pretty good actor. Yeah, it's a personal preference thing. But uh, as as far as like this casting is, that looks solid. And speaking of solid castings, uh, the last one I want to talk about is the Gunslinger trailer. Now I've mentioned this before, but um, we finally have a full trailer for it with Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Now I'll be honest, I missed this one when I saw it on the notes. I had to go back and find it. Okay. And uh, thoughts? Seems cool. Seems uh, cool. I mean, it's got uh, Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, and anything that's got Matthew McConaughey for me is a good movie. Right? It's gonna, yeah, it's like, gonna. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is like awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just has to. And then you know, Idris Elba is you know he's kick ass as Heimdall in Thor movies. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I mean, him being in Gunslinger is gonna be cool. Yeah. Have you watched? I think it's on Netflix, or at least that's where I watched it. It was the BBC series called Luther. Yeah, um, yeah, I've watched Luther. Okay. That's where I know Idris Elba from. Okay. Um, okay. And I, honestly, I uh, never read any of the, the Dark Tower books. And a friend of mine is letting me borrow them. I'm on book two right now. And wow, it is a... The Dark Tower is aptly named. Uh, that world, when they say it's dark and gritty, that is not an exaggeration at all. Not at all. The Dark Tower series is a good series. Have you read it? Yes, I have. Nice. Good on you, my man. I'm so not I'm on book two. Books, so I won't talk too far. <laughs> yeah, I'm only on book two, but I'm working my way through them a little bit at a time. Uh, wow. This, has, yeah, this is another thing that has the potential to be absolutely mind-blowing. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping so. <laughs> you and me both, we'll my see. man. All right, we're going to get into uh, the next topic. And um, if you exist in the gaming world at all, outside of E3, you know of this little game called Destiny. 
And they recently had their reveal special event thing, shindig, not sure what to call it. They had their Destiny 2 reveal with the first actual gameplay footage. And I'll let you kick it off. Uh, Anything you want to mention? I cannot wait to be Donatello. (laughs) I can't. I can't. A hunter with a bow staff. With a bow, yeah. With a bow staff. (laughs) Spinning and flipping and doing whatever it is with completely electrified. So it's basically like an amped up version of the uh, Blade Dancer. There Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, I think Destiny 2 is finally going to convince me to play a Titan. Really? Finally. Like, I, I've been a Hunter main since Destiny came out in September 2014. Mm-hmm. Huge Hunter fan. Before Shadow, what is it? Shadow, Shadow Shot. Shadow Shot is the special itself. I'm oh, trying it's, to remember uh, the name of uh, Night Stalker. Night Stalker, there it is. Before Night Stalker came out, it was definitely Blade Dancer. Mm-hmm. But then Night Stalker came out, and I'm like, ooh, a bow! A bow! And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, after. After the Taken King came out, it was definitely uh, it was definitely Night Stalker from there. But uh, always been a hunter main. Kind of kind of dabbled here and there with a warlock. Never really much played my warlock character. Mm-hmm. I popped into a Titan game and I was like, nope, bump nope. this, can't do this, can't do. I, no, I just don't. I don't. I don't like Titans. But I, I think Destiny Two being able to be Captain America right. is going to finally convince me to play as a Titan. Yeah, it seems that. Like the Sentinel, they're making the well. Obviously, the Sentinel is like the upgraded version of a uh, of the Defender Titan. Mm-hmm. Being just adding a bit of mobility to the defense option uh, is going to make the yeah. uh, the Sentinel very tactical on the battlefield. Yeah. Because right now, the way I see it, if you're trying to be like as tactical as possible, you've got like the the Night Stalker Hunter with the uh, with the Shadow Shot, and the Defender Titan uh, with the with the bubble. I guess we'll just the Titan bubble, Ward of Dawn, whatever. It's Titan bubble, <laughs> um, <laughs> just to get like some like respite. But the problem with the Titan bubble is that once you deploy it, that's where it stays. And it seems like we're going to be able to have a, a more mobility using the. Uh, and it's so sad that everyone goes back to the Captain America shield, but it's it's the Captain America shield. It is. You can it, it acts just like it. it. You can throw it. It comes back. I know. Yeah. Right. It's uh, Captain America. Like I feel like yeah. with the Titan, they've been that's all they've been doing. They've been they've been cycling through the Avengers. Because <laughs> the last one, the last one was the hammers. Right. Thor. The Thor hammers. Right. Thor. <laughs> that's what they're doing. The I'm calling it. I'm calling it now. The next one is going to be Hulk. All right. The, what, let's see. Titans. Titans start out with what? Void, right? They start off. They start off with Void and Shock, or Arc. Right. Okay. So you were the yeah. Striker and the Defender. Okay. So Sentinel is the the new Void. Correct. Okay. That's what they're going to do. the 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 next the uh, Solar Solar is going to be um, or no, sorry, Arc. Arc. Yeah. yeah. Not La Solar Arc. The blue one. <laughs> All right, the blue one. Uh, it's going to be like the Hulk or something, or Iron Man. 
I've actually been able to see a little bit of the gameplay for the new Striker Titan, and uh, rather than just having one Fist of Havoc, uh, you can get multiple. So I think they're they're less intense, but you can like shoulder charge or ground slam multiple times, kind of like with the um, the flaming Thor hammers. Even though Thor is you know does the lightning thing, and these are solar or fire attacks, right. but right. The, it's like the same concept. So that'll so sure we can say that's Hulk. Totally say that's Hulk. Either slam into things or slam the ground and detonate everything around it. Yeah, totally Hulk. Totally Hulk. That's what they're doing. They're doing it. I'm convinced. They're they're just cycling through Avengers characters. Eventually they're gonna run out of Avengers and they're just gonna start doing random Marvel characters. Hey, like, I mean uh, there's the a next, lot of source material uh, to work with and they're all the next badass. Titan is gonna be Spider Man, you're gonna be able to sling <laughs> off walls and stuff. Call we'll see right how now. it works. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, so other things that they talked about in, in the reveal, something that I think is going to be, will be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I'm kind of hopeful about it is the guided games. Yes. That's really cool. That I, I believe that's something that probably should have been in the game to begin with. Yeah. The, between the guided games and the clan integration. Yes. The clan integration is another big one. I think that's bigger than guided. Okay. I'd go with that. It wasn't until like the last update that they actually had your clan mates appear on your roster screen. If you remember really? that, uh, yeah. Oh, it, that's right. You mentioned that you, you're kind of elapsed. Yeah, uh, I'm elapsed, but like I'm beyond excited now. I can't wait. For okay. Yeah. So right now, here. there's actually when you go to like see what friends of yours are online. There's a third column on the right-hand side where it's clan mates, and they access whatever Destiny clan that you're a part of, and it shows what clan members are currently playing Destiny at that time. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I'm sure that'll be a lot more broadened upon in 2. Mm-hmm. And I also love the whole concept of, uh, of the guided games because I am mostly a, a solo player. Like, I'll play... Fallout, Elder Scrolls, uh, just completed Mass Effect Andromeda, um, love the Dragon Age games, like played through Final Fantasy XV, all the big epic solo player RPGs, like those are my games of preference. So while Destiny is a great game, it is infinitely better if you've got friends to play it with. Agreed, like, 100%. Infinitely better. Uh, um, but tell the, you what though, it's... Uh... It's definitely a bitch trying to get a raid team together. Oh, it's such a pain. I, I literally, since Destiny came out, I have completed one raid. Ooh. One. That's even less than me. Yeah, and it was Crota. <laughs> All right. Oh, so you never got to do... The King's Fall raid is my favorite. Nope, personally. never did it. Uh, I, 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 I did the Vault of Glass, got the Atheon... Okay. But then after like five hours of wipe uh, after wipe after wipe, you know, throughout the whole thing, not just on Atheon, but well, yeah, just why and we finally get Atheon and then I think we wiped like four times and I'm just like, all right, guys, I've got to go. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I've got a life to live. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's like, all right, guys, it's 11 o'clock at night. I, uh, I got to do stuff in the morning. All right. We'll just give it one more try. Okay, cool. 2 a.m. rolls around. Yeah, Yeah, the the most common phrase spoken in any raid is, "That's a wipe." Yep. Yep. (laughs) Over and over and over again. But uh, so having these guided games now, if you haven't seen the reveal, is basically clans will put out open invites, and it's integrated into the game interface somehow. 
that they're looking for an additional teammate that they can like guide through activities, I guess I'll say. So like strikes and raids primarily, uh, because they know for a lot of solo players trying to find enough people to run a to play the game with first off is difficult then to try to get a raid team together of six people and have them all it's be online impossible. at the same time it, it's it's very difficult so it looks like they're it taking is. all the aspects of the lfg groups and bringing it inside the game itself which is going to change this game it is oh yeah because like i that that's how i found my raid group for crota uh that's how i found my raid group for vault uh, vault of glass even though i didn't be vault of glass LFGs. Let's do Go on Reddit. LFGs. Yeah, I, I believe there's like numerous like official, okay, I don't want to say official, but Destiny LFG sites these days. Mm-hmm. Like even still, there's there's podcasts. There's like, the Destiny community is huge. People. Oh, it's massive. It is. It's in, it's intense. Like I, I'm, I still, I still get on Twitch these, you know, every now and then I, I've kind of fell off Twitch. I, I've moved uh, to the other side of that spectrum. Uh, don't want to go into that though. All but right. I'm still, you know, I still pop on Twitch. I, I'm a big Professor Broman fan. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're a Professor Broman fan or not. Love me some Professor Broman, Gathalian. Oh man, uh, Triple Wreck. All those guys. Oh yeah. They um, a, a lot of them. You know, uh, granted, there there's some YouTubers too. I don't want to leave them out. But course. the the these guys have really, you know, they've paved the way as far as the destiny community goes there, mm-hmm. you know, the, you know, they're, you know, some, some of them, they're, they're the first ones that were like, all right, well, this is destiny and this game is going to kick ass and we're going to stand behind this game until, you know, for as long as it exists. It's am- awesome. Yeah. It's amazing to me how solid and united the community was like a year before the game actually launched. Yeah. It like is. everyone knew this was going to be massive. I mean, personally, as far as like Twitch streamers are concerned, I follow uh, Guardian Outpost and the Spazzy Professor. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, I've been listening to Guardian Radio for a long time. Like, they've undergone multiple roster changes <laughs> over the years. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, they've been killing it since like the game was like announced almost. Um, I do remember, however, that they. They timed it so that I think their first episode after the game's launch was episode 77. So just to work in the sevens of uh, Bungie. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember uh, yeah, the host, Mark Turcotte, saying, eh, look at that, it's going to be episode 77. Almost like we planned it that way. Almost. Almost. Just ha- just, just probably. So, uh, Anything else you want to talk about as far as the Destiny 2 reveal is concerned? Yes. One more thing. What's up? I am so glad we finally get to fight the Cabal Empire. Oh. Finally. Yeah, Cab- Cabal has been... They've been ignored. I'm going to come out and say they've been pretty much ignored as far as, like, an enemy type is concerned. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, uh, they they released a... Uh, the, I guess a, it's a... I don't, I don't know what to call it. I, I want to say, like, a, a, game, a plan... As far as you know, how DLCs gonna are gonna work, and mm-hmm. I guess ultimately the next one, if I remember correctly, on that list after the Taken King. I mean, it wasn't officially the Taken King at the time, okay. But the last one after the Taken King was the Cabal. It had something to do with the Cabal, if my if my memory serves me correctly. So are you talking about Rise of Iron. 
Yeah, Rise of Iron. That's what I meant. Sorry. No, the, Sorry. that was after um, that one. After that one is what I meant. Oh, there wasn't one. The Rise of Rise of Iron was the was last the last one. one. Right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Not okay. not Taken King. Sorry. So uh, yeah, Taken King one. was Taken King. I felt was like the true extension of the plot line because you've already taken down Crota. The Hive still kind of doing their thing, and the Taken King, when Oryx finally showed up, I felt that was a true continuation of the plotline, with uh, the Dark Below, that was kind of like a side story, but led into the Taken King. The House of Wolves was definitely like a side story, and Rise of Iron with the uh, the Siva virus, that was definitely another like side story to you know explore what's happening with the Iron Lords and stuff like that. Yeah, vanilla, so I think this... vanilla Destiny was Vanilla Destiny was just a mess for me. Like it's a great game. I'm not I'm not gonna knock the game. The you know the to but we're, I'm gonna be honest. The the game as far as you know content and that kind of stuff at the very beginning before any DLC or anything was severely lacking. Oh, it's terribly lacking. Severely. Yeah, I'll I'll knock it all day. <laughs> um, and in my Rise of Iron record book, uh, there is one of the pages where, you know, the first page, obviously I got everything all uh, unlocked. But in the second page, there's one node on there where it's like you need to complete a single activity between the releases of The Dark Below and The House of Wolves. And that lone node is void for me. So I had a huge lapse during that time where it was like, it, it just wasn't worth it for me to play. I had completed everything. As I mentioned before, I'm not like a huge social gamer because I play solo mostly. So I hadn't done the raid. I had little interest in doing the raid. And plus I was on Xbox One at the time and most of my friends were still on the 360. So I had even fewer people to play with. So I was like, I'm just going to... I'm just going to wait. And I didn't play until I started noticing a couple of friends of mine and my brother uh, started playing Destiny uh, once they finally got themselves an Xbox One. And then I re-downloaded it and, you know, got the, the DLC. Yep, got back on the train. And honestly, I've been on it ever since. But uh, that one that one node in the record book is just, like, glaring at me every time I flip through the pages. I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> you jerk. <laughs> so now that we've got the cabal i mean we've had the strikes several strikes uh that involved Gary. the cabal but um they've they've never been front and center like they are this time around i i, I mean let's be honest though, they're not gonna put the alien races in the game if they weren't gonna expand on them in some way shape or form right so i guess we kind of knew but we didn't right you know yeah and especially towards the end of the last few missions with the Taken King, they actually had a few Cabal-centric missions. Uh, and they ended with, what was it called? The Outbound Signal. So mm. it was something like they were sending out a signal to the main Cabal command. So that now that we know what Destiny 2 is going to be about, that's obviously a link between the two releases. Yeah, I, I really am. Said it, said it at the beginning, I'm excited to finally fight the Cabal Empire. Like, yeah. full-on fight. Oh, them. it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a proper war. And I can't wait to see Gaul. Like, I, I am excited to see this giant freaking space turtle, because you know he's going to be huge. <laughs> you know he's got to be huge. Oh, he's got just massive. I don't even know what type of weaponry they're going to give him. I don't even know. Or how many of each type of weaponry they're going to give him. Oh, he's going to have a minigun. 
He's going to have a minigun. That's something well, they at, introduced. He's going to have a minigun. At least one, anyway. Oh, at least one, yeah. <laughs> Double fisting miniguns. Uh, isn't there... There's already a Cabal unit that has, like, a minigun of sorts, isn't there? What are, are there Centurions? He's going to be a big Centurion. Sure. Like, he's going to be, like, a super-sized Centurion. Obviously, he's, you know, the Emperor, but... Right. Or something. He's something. He's high up within the Cabal Legion. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, even, they even said the Red Legion. That, that's like that's who the Cabal enemy is. It's the Red Legion. The They're Red like, Legion. The yeah. uh, they they are the the highest of military standards as far as the Cabal Empire goes. So, yeah, absolutely. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited to finally fight <laughs> Gary. Gary or Gil or something <laughs> with a G. <laughs> oh man, I love Nathan Fillion. Oh yeah. Uh quick side note because i know my brother doesn't listen to this podcast yeah that's right i'm calling you out uh are you a firefly serenity fan no sorry all right never mind then i'm gonna cut this out of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) i have a joke joke coming up but it's not gonna make any sense i heard they're coming out season two though supposedly there's talks of it (laughs) yeah of course there is All right, uh, wrap up this section of the podcast with some E3 hopes and dreams. What you got for me? Anything? Well, uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a few. Some of them have already come to pass at this point. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and wager a guess here that, are we, uh, that we already know that CFDs is going to be E3 this year. We know that. They've been talking about that for months now. Excellent. Uh, but we know that. But... I'm guessing they're either going to push out a release date, like th- this is a release date, the game is finished to a point where you know it's playable and that kind of thing. It's going to be a full $60 release title. Oh, or, absolutely. which is the one I'm really kind of leaning more towards, it's going to release in game preview program alongside the Scorpio launch. Oh. And it's probably going to be like 30 or 40 bucks and... It's going to be, you know, like Rares even said, this is a game they constantly want to build onto. They want to keep this community engaged. They they want people to come back for more. So I, I really am. I'm leaning more towards game preview programs simply for that reason. Okay. Yeah, this is an ambitious title. Like, really oh, ambitious. Yeah. If I remember this from the gameplay. This is their most ambitious title. They, they themselves have even said that. Oh, yeah. So. And I'm running off of memory right now. Um, when you're on the ships in Sea of Thieves... Doesn't, like, everyone have their own, like, job to do? Yeah. It's not a set. You don't have a set job. You can do whatever you want to on the ship. But, yeah, uh, you you know, somebody has to be at the helm steering the ship. Uh, Somebody needs to be up in the crow's nest looking for, you know, uh, looking for uh, enemy ships out in the distance, Uh, looking, you know, for, like, obstacles within the ocean because there's, you know, rocks and stuff that jut out of the ocean. Uh, you know, somebody's got to be on the cells, making sure the angles are cor- uh, the angles of the cells are correct, the lengths of the cells are correct, so they get enough wind so that you can go as fast as possible. So yeah, yeah everybody like that, it, it is. It is an incredible game. It has some awesome mechanics. It's gonna be freaking cool. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot going on right there. Just just in sailing the ship itself. So to keep that going, I'm sure there you've got to dedicate a massive team for continuous updates and tweaks and balancing and stuff like that from my understanding you would think that that team would be pretty big wouldn't you uh i would think so 
it's actually really not that large. Really? It's really not. I, I'm not going to give you a number because I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's really not as big as you think it is. Huh. All right. Cool. If they can swing it, swing it. Swing hey, right? Right. Yeah. Well, if you were if you were to guess the number of developers that are actively like that's everything from engineers to programmers oh, to artists to everything, what would you think that number would be? I honestly have no, like I have nothing to base it on other than like the end of credits that I normally see on on games that are usually like in the hundreds. But, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll say it, it's in the hundreds, but it's not like. It's not like way into the hundreds. Okay. Like rare, rare is like a five hundred employee company, somewhere right around there. Don't quote me on that number. Okay, <laughs> but it, it's it's for as successful as a company it is, you would think it probably be a little larger. But it's really not as large as any other company out there. Hmm. All right. Well, for me personally, as far as E three is concerned, and this is going to go like way off script of any other narrative that might be circling around the news of E three. I want to see updates of Saints Row 5. And this is like my completely off-the-wall like hope and dream. Because several years ago, uh, Jay Moore tweeted out a photo of him doing some voice work. Back in 2013, Jay Moore sends out this tweet. And it says, about to do my voiceover work for new Saints Row video game. Hashtag showbiz. Although now I'm wondering. I'm looking at the screen that they're showing. I wonder if that was Agents of Mayhem. Hmm. It might be. Agents of Mayhem looks like it could be fun. It looks like it could be fantastic. Um, haven't had a chance to dip into it yet, but if there's anything going on in the Saints Row uh, universe, like, dude, <laughs> I finally got a friend of mine to start playing Saints Row 4. Uh, he, he had low expectations for it, but... Uh, I'm not going to say his uh, his opinion has risen, but he is thoroughly enjoying the utter ridiculousness of of the game. Have you played any of the Saints Row oh, series? Oh, man. Saints Row. Great games. Great games. Yeah. So Great. epically ridiculous. Oh, beyond ridiculous. Just, just the, in the, the massive heads... <laughs> the, the massive heads brings back some, some, some really good memories for me in GoldenEye. Oh, there you uh, go. I don't know. Pushing See, that, it back. That's... Yes. Yes. But, like, it's it's so ridiculous to the point where I feel it's actually expertly crafted in the level of ridiculousness, if that makes any sense at all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Beyond it. Just, just some of the <laughs> weapons are... Like, like, and he, um, a friend of mine even said, like, every time I think this game can't get more ridiculous, it, it does something new, and I'm just utterly amazed. It, it, yeah. So that's my secret I don't secret have too hope. many words for Saints Row, just because the game itself speaks for itself. Oh, it really... Like, the trailers don't do it justice. You really have to play the game and just witness, like, what new characters and cameos appear uh, to be honest, in the I feel, game. I feel like Saints Row was... I'm drawing a blank. Doesn't that... I hate when that happens. You draw a blank when you can't remember the name of something, like, right when you need to know it. Right. Um... Volition. That's what there it is. Yeah. Uh, th- I feel like Saints Row was Volition's way of being like, all right, well, we like Grand Theft Auto, but we're going to put a spin on it. Oh, yeah. And that's totally what it was in the beginning. I actually started the Saints Row series in uh, with Saints Row 3 yeah, a few years same. back. What? 
when uh, when four was released. I actually went back one, played three, laughed my ass off, played four, laughed my ass off even more, and actually went back to play Saints Row two just to see like you know one step further back in the timeline. Yeah. Three is where it started really getting intense to the point like all right, we're blatantly making fun of GTA and it's awesome and people love it. Yes. Yes, and that's totally where I was going with it. Like the the first Saints Row game is just I played a little bit of that too, but it's like a blatant knockoff of it yeah. all. Yeah, that's what it was. That's all. That's what it was to begin with. But then they were like, yeah, they realized like they had something, um, they could do something with it and uh, tell a more humorous story, and uh, they've just been swinging it hard ever since. And by the time 4 came out, I'm convinced that there was no cutting room floor. Like, any ridiculous idea that someone put on the table, like, we're going to put it in the game somehow. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it 100%. I believe it. There's, like... All right. Anyway. Okay, so we're going to move on to the final section of this podcast. I call it the final five. These are five questions that range from irrelevant to irreverent. The first two are always the same, and the three have some type of theme going on. So, Mike, are you ready for this? I don't know. I'm kind of scared. (laughs) Don't be, don't be. So, first question. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Take it black? I like cream. Not too big on sugar. Ah, just a little something to take the bitterness off. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it black if I have to, but I prefer not to. Okay. Uh, so obviously you've been a gamer for a long time. Uh, do you do any tabletop gaming? Nah, not really. Ah. Not really. Not really into it. Okay. I highly I mean, suggest if it. I, if the right one came along, I wouldn't object to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I like uh, if you ever get the tabletop game. What's that? If a oh, pirate that... tabletop game popped up, I'd be on that one. I think there actually are a couple pirate games out there. There are, and I'm trying to think of one that we play with a certain group of friends of mine. Top 10 pirate board games. Top 10 pirate games. No, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. Oh, come on. Uh, there is one that's actually called Pirates. So I don't know. If, uh, 7th C is another one. Ugh. I'm so annoyed right now, and I can't find the name of one. I'm, I'll throw it in the show notes. There's one that's like really good that we play at a, uh, at a friend's house. Mm, it's escaping me right now. Anyway, all right, no worries. Everyone's got their own style. So we've talked a lot about Destiny, and obviously you're quite a fan of, uh, of pirates in all shapes or forms. So I got four characters here. Um, Four different pirates. Uh, let me know what guardian class you think that they would play as. So, first one, Blackbeard. What Destiny guardian Blackbeard. class would he play Blackbeard. as? Blackbeard would definitely be a titan, hands down. Titan, hands down? Awesome. Uh, how about Captain Jack Sparrow? Hunter. Alright, he's a little wily. Look at him that. Uh, how more specifically, da- I'm going to call it. More specifically, he would, uh, he would definitely be a blade dancer. Or a gunslinger. One of the two. One of the I'm two. leaning more towards Gunslinger. Jack Sparrow, yeah. Jack Sparrow is a, a Hunter Gunslinger. Nice. All right, how about Davy Jones? Oh, man, this is a tough one. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go with a Sunsinger Warlock. Nice. I was going to say something like that as well because of all the legend that surrounds him. Yeah. Let's go yeah. Warlock. 
And finally, uh, do you play any of the Assassin's Creed yeah, games? Yeah, I like Assassin's Creed. Okay. Our Edward Kenway. Edward Kenway? Oh, he'd be a hunter, too. <laughs> All right. Blade Dancer, specifically. Blade Dancer? Yeah. Yes, he would. He would be. Nice. Would Nicely like done, sir. Nicely done, sir. I salute you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fourth question. Of this list, what is the most fearsome sea creature? A, the Leviathan. B, the Kraken. Or C, Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Well, that's like the big squid, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Kraken. Got to stick with the Kraken. Yep, got to. <laughs> nice. All right. And finally, this weekend, Pirates of the Caribbean, or Caribbean, whatever, Pirate's Life is out. Are you going to go see it? Probably. Maybe Probably. not this weekend, but I'll watch it for sure, yeah. Nice. God, how, what number of pirate movie is this? This is five. Jeez. This is five, yep. Uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, uh, Dead Man's Chest, At World's End, Stranger Tides, and now this one, Dead Men Tell No Tales. It'll be interesting. I'm excited. Well, well so I misquoted that. Dead Men Tells No Tales? That, 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 that. Dead yeah, Man... Yeah, that's what it's called. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Dead Men Tell No Tales. Jeez. Yeah, what I find interesting about this one, before we go, what's interesting is that originally Jolly Roger, which is the the villain for this new movie, they originally wanted that maybe not Jolly Roger the character itself, but the original villain they wanted it to be female. Ooh, hmm. Thought that was interesting. If you want to know why, you can find out and look it up. Okay, sure. Just thought I'd share that little tidbit. <laughs> All right, and that is all the time we have for this episode. Time for end of show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox One, and Twitch at HyperSyntax. That's H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. Or you can follow the podcast directly either on Twitter at VGXTPod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash VideoGameCrosstalk. This podcast is hosted directly on Podbean and can be found at VideoGameCrosstalk.Podbean.com. As for my guest, Abstracticus, or Mike Edwards, where can our beautiful listeners follow you around? Everywhere. At the same name he just said. (laughs) You want to spell that out for everyone? Yes, I will. It's abstract, like abstract art. Abstract, A-C-A-S. Abstracticus. Twitter. Uh, I think Twitter's pretty much it. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I don't do Instagram. I don't do Snapchat. I don't do none of that stuff. If you want to find me, you can find me at Abstractus on Twitter, Xbox, PlayStation, Steam, everywhere. If it's in the gaming industry, Abstracticus, it's probably me. That's you. Nice. And if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech or science news, let me know. Do you know some tech news that you'd like to hear discussed? Do you have any other general questions you'd like answered on the show? Send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets of what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts, and we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you one last time for hanging out with us. Mike, thanks one last time for joining me. Yeah, man, it was fun. Awesome. And in the words of Robert J. Hanlon, never attribute malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity.